behind the Herald headlines with Darren Mann. Indeed it is. Behind the Herald headlines with Darren Mann. Welcome to it. You can catch us right here each and every Wednesday from around 12 noon. Lead story in your Herald for today, Wednesday the 1st of September. COVID-19 puts Bay's economic activity back to level last seen in 2010. Ten years of economic growth lost. That is the shocking trail of devastation left by COVID-19 on Nelson Mandela Bay's GDP. Such has been the impact that gross domestic product slumped to 76.65 billion in 2020, a figure comparable with the 76.95 billion recorded in 2010. Also, man shot in back in latest robbery on small holding. When she heard the glass shatter, a Lakeside Road resident knew she had to get out of the house and look for help. However, after escaping through a window and seeking help from neighbours, the woman's attempts to escape were in vain as one of the attackers followed her next door. And a Himansdorp landmark was left blackened and without a roof after a fire, supposedly started by vagrants, spread through a large part of the Koha Cultural Centre on Tuesday. Firefighters battled for hours to get the blaze, which had spread into the building's thatch roof. For more on these and other stories, go to heraldlive.co.za. So, despite the lead stories in today's edition of The Herald, undoubtedly the biggest tale of the past week, the one involving the first citizen of Nelson Mandela Bay, Mayor Nkababanga. An accident. After curfew hours, a collision which led to him being hospitalised and one in which two people tragically lost their lives. Joining us now to discuss that, Member of the National Assembly and Shadow Minister of Police from the DA, Mr Andrew Whitfield. Andrew, good day. Good morning, Darren. Thank you very much for having me. Needless to say, a difficult week for you and for the DA. Can we start by asking how the mayor is doing? What is the latest position? Now, thanks very much for asking, Darren. Um, we are extremely concerned about the mayor. He was admitted to hospital late on Saturday night, as you know, and uh, originally it appeared that his injuries were not serious. It later developed on Sunday that he needed to be admitted urgently into surgery due to internal bleeding as a result of the injuries he sustained during the accident. He's been under sedation since then. Uh, there was an attempt to take him off uh, sedation, but he had to be put back on because he was disoriented, as you can imagine. And so, uh, to the best of our knowledge at this stage, the mayor remains under um, observation, under sedation and in high care. Andrew, can you confirm the latest as far as the DA's position on this goes? Last I heard, an internal investigation was being launched. How's that going? Well, the DA's investigation depends largely on the outcome of the SAPS investigation. At this point, we haven't even had the opportunity to speak to the mayor because he's been under sedation. So it would be very difficult and premature to launch a full-blown investigation. As soon as the mayor is um, out out of sedation and we're able to discuss uh, what transpired, and, and obviously the mayor will be able to engage with the South African Police Service, Uh, we will be able to deal with the facts. At this stage, uh, it's very unfortunate that there's a lot of speculation, which I suppose I understand, uh, but we treat it very, very seriously, Darren. There are two issues here. The first one, which is absolutely heartbreaking, is that two people lost their lives. Uh, And that is incredibly serious. And of course, we take that very, very seriously. The second issue is that the mayor 
appears uh, to have uh, contravened the lockdown regulations, but we don't know anything surrounding that either. We haven't had that opportunity to engage with the mayor. But what I can assure you and the listeners is that any member of the DA who is seen to contravene or charged with contravention of lockdown regulations or criminally charged uh, is taken very seriously and we will cooperate fully with law enforcement authorities and ensure that a, a comprehensive internal investigation is done by our federal legal commission. Likely party consequences, should that turn out to be the case, Andrew? Well, Darren, the consequences depend on, on the facts. And I'm incredibly frustrated, as I think most people are, uh, because we don't have any of the facts yet. What we do know is that the mayor was driving his car. What we do know is that there was an accident in which two people died. Uh, but unfortunately, what we don't know uh, outnumbers what we know at this stage. And so, you know, any sanctions that are... Um, brought against any DA member have to be based on the outcome of an investigation which is determined by the facts. And until we are able to piece together all these facts, we simply cannot prematurely conclude what the consequences will be. I can, however, say, as I've said uh, just uh, previously, is that any DA member who is charged with a criminal offence is treated very, very seriously. Also amongst the facts, Andrew, the one that the mayor was apparently travelling outside curfew hours. Yes, of course. So we don't know why he was travelling outside of curfew hours. Uh, A lot of people are presuming uh, that uh, it was on personal business and therefore he would be in contravention of lockdown regulations. If that is the case, as I've said, he would then obviously be charged by the state uh, and he would be uh, sanctioned by the state. We would then obviously take that information once it has been determined by the state that he officially broke the lockdown regulations, and we would determine a sanction through our internal processes by the Federal Legal Commission, and that investigation would be expedited given the seriousness with which we treat this. At this stage, the police haven't even had an opportunity to gather those facts uh, from the mayor. Uh, but anything that points to a contravention of the lockdown regulations um, and ultimately leads to a charge, we will take that up and we will process it expeditiously. Here's a bit of a curveball for you. Were this a mayor from another political party who found himself or herself in this position, would you be adopting the same stance towards it? Well, we would certainly be asking the police to investigate. We would obviously not be able to jump to conclusions because the mayor is under sedation if it was the same circumstances. Um, And we would call for accountability as as other political parties and members of the public have called upon us to do. The very difficult situation is without being able to talk to the so-called accused person who is uh, now under sedation, it is very difficult to conclude uh, what the outcomes of an investigation should be if the facts are not even there to begin with. So we would obviously be calling for accountability as has been done. We have said that we are taking this incredibly seriously and will be conducting a thorough investigation. And I have said that the consequences if found guilty of any charge will be incredibly serious and that we will move swiftly. The very frustrating part of this whole thing is that um, you know, we are not in a position to draw any conclusions until we've spoken to the mayor 
and given him an opportunity to state his side of the events. Finally, in terms of local political context, we know we have municipal elections coming up. Should the mayor not be physically up to it or be facing charges or be otherwise unavailable, does the DA have contingency plans in place when it comes to the candidate for mayor? Well, Darren, we've got a a very long list of councillors. At this stage, there's absolutely no reason at this point in time to uh, presume that uh, that Ngaba will not be available. If it turns out that he is not available by his own decision or on the conclusion of any investigation, we will, of course, be able to use uh, a number of options that we have available from our very diverse uh, list, which we have already submitted to the IEC. But that would, again, be a very premature conclusion to draw until we've got all the facts which, as I said to you uh, repeatedly, is a very, very frustrating part of the last 72 hours, um, while we obviously wish the mayor a speedy and uh, successful recovery, which is now the first and most important thing that we want um, for the mayor. DA Eastern Cape Provincial Chairperson Andrew Whitfield, thank you very much for joining us on Behind the Herald Headlines with Darren Mann. Thanks, Darren. Joining us now, local legal practitioner Tracy Maton. Tracy is from Goldberg and De Villiers, a legal firm in Nelson Mandela Bay. She explains to us what the law requires be done and what legal process should follow in a situation like this. A person driving after curfew hours involved in a car accident in which people lose their lives. Tracy? Right. Uh, thank you, Darren, and thanks very much for inviting me onto this platform. So when there is a, um, an accident and there is a fatality, it is a norm that the matter is investigated for culpable homicide. Normally, if there's no fatality, then it would just be a negligent driving investigation to determine the cause and the effect thereof. So because there is a fatality, then the matter is handled as a culpable homicide. And the South African Police Service would investigate that with their team of investigators. And only after that investigation has been completed will there then be a decision taken as to whether to prosecute any of the persons involved in the accident. So that is the process that would need to be followed and the conclusions only drawn thereafter. Typically, in your experience, how long does it take for a process like this to play itself out? Um, From what I understand and what I've been informed, it, it can take a very long time. Um, specifically if there has been fatalities, because you need to try and find out the, the the witnesses, the information, a reconstruction of the actual accident scene. So there's a lot of work behind the scenes in order to determine what the actual cause was. Um, because there are fatalities, you've only got one version coming across, and that version needs to be tested in terms of objective factors to ensure that the correct outcome is reached when it comes to the prosecution thereof. So it's one of those, how long is a piece of string? It depends on the circumstances of each individual um, accident. Tracy, I'm very anxious to know, and I know many other citizens are as well. Is it mandatory for the South African Police Service to make sure that blood is drawn from all involved in a fatal accident like this or not? Okay, so when it comes to 
a fatal accident, the police need to, you know, okay, let's go one step back. So if it's a normal fender bender and the police arrive on the scene and there's no reason to suspect the person has been under the influence of alcohol, the person is screened and thereafter concluded that there's no difficulty, then then the person isn't tested for alcohol. Um, so no, it's not mandatory. If there's a fatal collision, the same principle would apply as well. The person would be screened to determine if there's any need for a, um, you know, an alcohol test to be conducted. Normally, that's done with a breathalyzer, and thereafter there would be a need to draw blood. The police themselves, you know, the police officer themselves isn't entitled or not permitted to actually draw that blood. It has to be through a doctor or registered nurse at the hospital or a district surgeon. So if there is reason to believe that alcohol was involved in the uh, the accident, then um, the police would direct the district surgeon to draw blood or the police would um, request of the hospital personnel or the medical hospital personnel to take the blood test um, the importance as well is that that blood test needs to be done within two hours of the time of the accident for it to actually be permissible um, in the investigation. Thanks very much. Uh, anything I've missed out, possibly the curfew angle? As we are all aware, we're currently under alert level three. That provides the fact that persons are confined to their place of residence from 10 in the evening until 4 in the morning daily. Um, the Section 33 of the Disaster Management Regulations that are currently in play do allow for reasons and and um, idea or not ideas reasons as to why you could be out of your house during that time period. Um, and there's permission can be granted through directions of relevant cabinet service for a service that's required. It could be a medical or a security service. Um, medical emergency that's that's needed to be undertaken. Um, so there, there are as well other reasons why a person is entitled legally to be outside of their house during the curfew period. So at this stage, obviously, we're not aware as to the reasons why this individual was not at his place of residence during this time, but the investigation would assist in revealing if there was a permissible reason as to why the individual, in fact, was not confined to his home at that stage. Many thanks for sharing your wisdom and experience with us here on Behind the Herald Headlines with Darren Mann. That's Tracy Maton from Goldberg and de Villiers. In just a moment, we catch up with Nomazima Nkosi, the Herald reporter who broke this story on Sunday morning. Each one of us has a story to tell and a story to share. A story that deserves to be heard a story that inspires, motivates, and gives people a reason to keep going. A story about our triumphs as individuals and as a team. A story about our humble beginnings and what the future holds for us. A story about our heritage and that which brings us together. It is these stories that connect us. The Herald. Whatever you live for, we live to tell that story for you. 
Joining us now on Behind the Herald Headlines with Darren Mann, the Herald reporter who broke the story about the accident involving Nelson Mandela Bay Mayor Nkababanga. That's Nomazima Nkwasi. Nomazima, thank you for joining us this morning. And uh, if you would, can you take us right back to the start of the story from your point of view? How did you hear about it? How did it break? And uh, what were the details as you made them out to be? Good morning. Uh, good morning, Darren, and good morning to all your listeners. Uh, um, so on Sunday uh, morning, I woke up to a WhatsApp message uh, saying that it looks like the mayor was involved in an accident. Um, this was unverified, and before I could make any sort of phone calls, um, the mayor's spokesperson, Leander Kruger, um, went and released a statement um, confirming to the public the mayor was indeed involved in an accident. Um, so following that, uh, we decided to go out to the scene um, of the accident on Sunday. And when we arrived there, um, the scene had been partly uh, cleared up by the cops, uh, but that um, when we arrived, there was an individual uh, who was taking pictures of some of the rubble that was still out on the street. Um, and by then, um, the story had already uh, broke uh, to the public. And then um, obviously what we did was, uh, we went knocking um, to the houses nearby, just to ask the residents if they'd seen anything, if they'd heard anything, um, and if they saw anything, um, did they know that it was the mayor involved in the crash? And um, the majority of the residents um, who the homes uh, we visited actually also found out um, about the accident on social media. Uh, but two particular houses we went to, uh, one heard sirens and then the other one was actually at the scene on Saturday, but did not know um, that the person that uh, the ambulance was pulling out, um, according to them, it had seemed like um, this man's legs were crushed, um, that that individual was in fact the mayor. And tell me, Noma, as the story has developed since you picked up on it on Sunday, uh, what are the major talking points between then and, and now, the latest position? So obviously, um, I'm sure everyone would have been seeing uh, on, on social media, questions have arisen about um, why the mayor was out after curfew, uh, because we know that the accident happened after 11, around 11.30 p.m. Mm -hmm. So questions have risen around why he was out after curfew, because we do know, um, it has been confirmed to us that the mayor was in fact uh, driving his private car, so meaning he was not out on official business. Um, questions are, are also being posed as who was in fact in the wrong, because if we all know the R75, um, probably two out of the, the five or six traffic lights are working and those particular ones that um, the intersection that he was involved in, those are the robots that actually work. So questions are being posed as who was in fact in the wrong. Did someone uh, skip a red light? And then questions are also being posed as um, were blood samples are taken to check yeah. um, the mayor's to uh, the mayor's toxic levels? Um, and then obviously also everyone is um, waiting to hear 
what the DA is going to say because they've been pretty quiet. Um, no one has come out to actually condemn what's happening, what, what's, what's happened. Um, so people are waiting to find out what's happening from the political side as well. We do know that um, the DA caucus in Nelson Mandela Bay was instructed to keep quiet and not to speak to the media about any of this. But we are aware that there is a meeting currently um, that's about to take place in the next couple of minutes at 10 o'clock, um, a DA caucus um, at the Galvindale Stadium, where um, the party members will be instructed or will be briefed about the, the, the state the mayor is in and basically a way forward as well. We did speak a little earlier to the DA Eastern Cape Provincial Chairperson, Andrew Whitfield, and uh, whilst he was happy to answer our questions, he did seem to be shielding very much behind the fact that the DA has launched an internal investigation which will base its actions on a South African police service investigation. And I must just say, for the benefit of anyone wondering uh, why we aren't having anyone from the South African Police Service uh, on the show today, uh, we tried extremely hard, but uh, in response to our request, uh, Captain Sandra Janssen van Rensburg sent the following uh, response. SAPS has declined your request relating to the culpable homicide case involving the mayor. We are busy with the investigation, and at this stage, we have no new information, hence your request cannot be acceded to. Now, if I might just add a personal comment here, I find this extremely disappointing, possibly even disgraceful. Every single day we have uh, police women and men on the beat who deal with burglaries and dodge bullets. You know why they do it? Because it's their job. And I think for the spokesperson for the SAPS to uh, hide behind the fact that there's an investigation, not answering directly where the blood was drawn. Uh, that in itself is an answer. And uh, not being willing to comment any further on the curfew issue is uh, extremely disappointing. It's their job to front up to the media and answer questions. And the fact that they've gone hiding, well, we see you. Norma, where do you see the story going from here? Uh, so obviously, um, being the inquisitive people we are, um, we will be asking um, the caucus uh, what was said. Um, we expect a decision um, to to be made in terms of the DA side, possibly at the end of the week. Um, we also want to um, know from the DA what happens, what, what, what actions are you guys going to take? Because this is someone who has... Um, flouted uh, lockdown regulations, not for the first time, um, but the second time. Uh, we did see a video of him um, that uh, circulated on social media about two to three months ago uh, when, he was, um, when he was captured singing at City Hall at an ANC event without a mask. Uh, so we expect uh, decisions to be made and for the party to also answer. Um, this was their mayoral candidate that they announced for the Metro. Uh, just um, just a week ago, um, and we expect uh, the DA to answer whether or not he will continue um, as 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 their mayoral candidate in the metro. But um, all that remains to be seen um, as the days uh, go along or as the weeks come by. And obviously, uh, we wish the mayor um, a speedy recovery. Sure. Uh, but um, people need to answer these questions. Norma, I think your points are well made, and uh, I, I hope some of those answers are resolved once the DA have met later on this morning. 
I do think every single South African is also wondering how there's a situation where we have a mayor out after curfew involved in a situation like this. Little action needs to needs to uh, seems to have been taken so far. Sure, investigations have been launched, but we all remember scenes of uh, ordinary citizens walking on a beach, for example, and then because they were flouting curfew, being shoved into the back of a, a police van. Um, our constitution says we're all equal under the law, and uh, I certainly am, uh, am going to watch very closely, and I'm sure you are too how this turns out in the coming weeks and months. Well done on breaking the story. We might talk about it again soon. Have yourself a fantastic day. Thank you so much. Those were behind the Herald headlines with Darren Mann for Wednesday, the 1st of September. Join us right here again on Friday at noon for that weekend feeling. That was today's edition of Behind the Herald Headlines with Darren Mann.